You're tuned to episode 8 of Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This episode was recorded live on 1st of February and made available for download 4th of February at guardfrequency.com. My name's Lennon. And I'm Tony. And I'm Jeff. So, what have we got this week, Tony? In this week's Squawk Box, we check out our most valuable post. In CIG News, we bring you up-to-the-minute coverage of everything happening around the UEE, featuring our weekly crowdfunding update, the latest in-universe fiction, and the first episode of The Next Great Starship. In this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we check out my ride, the RSI Constellation. Finally, we'll get in the feedback loop and let you all join the conversation. Good people of the verse, we are looking for a graphics artist and a community manager to come and join the team here. So if you're looking for somewhere to let your creative juices flow, we want to hear from you. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com along with your qualifications and a few samples of your work. All positions at Priority One Productions are voluntary. After all, this is a labor of love that we do here. But we do offer a very well-known outlet for your work, and we look great on a CV or resume. So if you're a budding artist or an irrepressible gossip hound who wants to give back to the Star Citizen community, then get in touch. That email address again, squawk at guardfrequency.com. But we're not going to beg yet. So let's get to the show and see what's coming through the Squawk Box. Hey, you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. Cryptor, cryptor, cryptor. This is Tony saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everybody. This week we're going to pick up where Ben Lesnick has left off. As many of you know, our star citizen community manager is leaving Austin, Texas for sunny SoCal. And the rest of the team has been hip deep in the production summit, so there's no wingman's hangar and thus no most valuable post. Don't worry, don't worry. That's why there's a guard frequency. When things don't go as planned, there's backup out there for you. So we're going to do our pick of the most valuable post on the forums this week. In truth, it's a little bit self-serving. In response to the forum mod's new policy of unstickying the fan podcasts, I had sort of, kind of agreed to start a new thread with all the Star Citizen podcasts. Fortunately for me, somebody beat me to the punch. Only the thread is not in the fan site's subforum, but on the main discussion forum. So we're going to call out and graciously thank Andy B. for his big list of Star Citizen videos and podcasts. He's collected all of the official and unofficial audio and video news from around the verse and posted it in one handy place. And it's big, people. Real big. And very well curated. In addition to the usual suspects from around the UEE, this show included, Andy B. had a couple of videos posted January 29th by an internet magazine who had recently visited Cloud Imperium's Santa Monica offices and recorded about 13 minutes of Q&A with the chairman himself. We're not going to give you any more hints, and I haven't seen these videos linked anywhere else. As a matter of fact, at the time we record this, the two interview videos, one clocks in about nine minutes, one clocks in at about three minutes, have fewer than 4,000 hits combined. So this is uh, super secret squirrel stuff here, folks. We're going to make you check out that thread for yourself so you can favorite it and go back every week as Mr. Andy B. updates. 
Here's to you, Mr. Podcast and Internet Video Collator Guy. Mr. Podcast and Internet Video Collator Guy. You just saved me hours of time figuring all that hot mess out. Hours of time. As far as guard frequency is concerned, you're this week's most valuable post. We're going to put the link in our show notes, but this is a fantastic thread. This one deserves to be stickied because he, I mean, literally daily updates on the newest stuff coming out. Every podcast that gets released to the public, out there. Every CIG update, on there. Every news organization that covers Star Citizen, on there. Yeah. So it's just it's just a great, great thread, and everybody should go check it out. Put a little star on it. There's a blank, empty star just to the left of the forum title. When you click on the thread, the forum tiles up at the top, there's a little empty star. Click on that star, it'll fill in. It's favorited, and you can check it out on your forum dashboard. Fantastic thing. Everybody should check it out. Because he's on that main board, and that main board's so busy, it falls quickly. So if you go listen to it and tell your friends to go listen to it or go check out that thread, tell them to leave a comment so it stays near the top. And hopefully somebody will see their way clear to stickying that. Have you read, seen, or heard anything that you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Well, let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, trigger screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. And our crowdfunding update this week, the 1st of February, 2014. $37,796,747. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not $38 million. We're just going to call it that. Close enough. We're on our way to the Kano system and the Waterworld Cartana. I'm thinking Thursday is the day that we actually hit it. There's 10,573 alpha slots left and right around 380,000 registered users. Now, usually I burn right by this section, but I want to break this down just a bit. From last week to this week, about 6,000 people registered for the site and about 1,000 alpha slots disappeared. At the same time, the crowdfunding total went up about half a million dollars. Now, maybe every single new backer is dropping $500 each. Sure. Essentially buying a Connie, a Hornet, and a freelancer. Or maybe this company is bringing in serious subscriber dollars for a game that doesn't exist. December and January were slow months for CIG, and they raised $2 million each month. Wow. And CIG have also given us the first look at the asteroid hangar. In a blog post on the Robert Space Industries website, they say, Greetings, citizens. We have had a number of backers write in to ask what's the status of the asteroid hangar. Also known as the pirate hangar, the asteroid hangar is the upcoming fourth environment type for the hangar module. Citizens who have purchased the Drake Cutlass will have access to the hangar as soon as it launches. To answer your questions, well, the asteroid hangar is still in the works. It has been concepted and is currently being built by the hangar team. The asteroid hangar has been designed in such a way that it can be expanded to support larger ships like the Drake Caterpillar as needed, so expect to see it in action in a future update. And I don't know if you guys have actually seen this yet, but it looks gorgeous. I am properly jealous of those who are going to get this hangar. I'm sort of considering buying a Cutlass to get that hangar. Yeah, I was considering it too. I don't know if it's a separate hangar from the one we already got, or if we can switch hangars on the fly, or what. It's cool looking. I kind of mm-hmm. like the Cutlass for the whole tandem seat, like the old F-14 Tomcat, you know, yep. Maverick and Goose kind of a thing going on. That was another little stone on the scale to tip it towards uh, buying a Cutlass to go with all the other ships I have. So, I don't know, yeah. maybe. 
it's probably going to happen, so I think I might just have to bite the bullet and buy it. But I am kind of holding back a bit in case they do release a hangar upgrade pass like they've done for the business to Deluxe and so on. But All right. yeah, I could see myself owning another ship very soon. Indeed, indeed. In this episode of Kazen, our host, Aaron Shear interviews Garrett Walden on the latest outbreak of Lynch fever and commemorating the launch of organizations in the universe by giving a hearty happy birthday to the Spectrum ID system. So what do you guys think? Is this just lore, or could the illness be part of the game? Well, I think it'd be quite interesting to have illness. I mean, I know that there's going to be some sort of food and drink mechanic, isn't there, where you've got to keep yourself alive. And so I think that this would just add another dimension to it. At the same time, you know, I can kind of see it being lore, because who wants to play a video game and get sick? It does sort of take away the whole fun aspect of the game. So, you know, hey, what did you do at the weekend? Oh, I went out and played football or soccer to American guys. What did you do? Oh, well, I just uh, loaded up Star Citizen and just sat there under a blanket for 12 hours. Um, Yeah. yeah, So at the same time, if it doesn't make it in, that's cool as well. I mean, what do you guys think? I uh, think that as far as a uh, a first-person shooter type uh, thing where you get sick and can't walk or something like that, I don't like that idea. I'm with you. I don't think the thermometer makes a good accessory for my in-game avatar. But I think the the concept of a plague or an illness that shuts down economic productivity or reduces availability of goods that are manufactured in a plague-stricken planetary system, that could be cool. Mm-hmm. You can get smugglers and blockade runners and vaccine shortages and all that other kind of stuff. I think that would be an interesting thing. And I think that would probably be a good use of this Lynch's fever, something that strikes multiple places simultaneously is a foodborne illness, so you have cargo implications for that. And quite frankly, so you have a reason to stop ships. This is a good in-game universe reason to tell people to submit to an inspection. I think that if it's going to be in the game, I think that's what it's going to be for. I also think there's another mechanic that we're not looking at. This is also a way that you can control a system or add some gameplay into the system. So you as a pilot, have you gotten your inoculation yet? If not, then you're restricted to certain sectors of space until you do get that inoculation. I think as well that actually you've you've just sort of twigged something in my mind, which I think would be a great mechanic. If there is a plague in the universe that it can potentially kill off all these sorts of things, if they find a system isn't working the way they'd planned it, they can just literally give the whole group the plague and wipe out the civilization and resettle. <laughs> so they could they could nice. literally retcon in universe live, as it were, you know, ban everybody from going to the Magnus system because the plague came in on a shipment of twiglets. And from there <laughs> on it can be recolonized, it could be opened up so NPC planets could just disappear and be replaced with other NPC planets. I think that would actually be a really good thing. And the Lenin. fact that they're building it in from now, hmm, is it too late to do a twenty fourteen prediction episode? Uh, <laughs> I'd like to just yeah. travel back in time if possible. That ship has sailed. No, but that you you merciless, merciless you're going to wipe out whole planets with this. I like it. I like that idea. Yeah. Well, that's our first community question. What do you think the plague is going to do for our gameplay in the verse? Swimmy first-person shooter perspectives? Major plot point? Excuse for checkpoints and otherwise totally up in space? Some of both? Neither? What? Let us know below our show notes on GuardFrequency.com or our show post on the RSI Fan Sites Forum. And we also get a galactic guide. Once the treasure of Ivan Messer's fleet, ruling the stars with an iron fist. Aegis Dynamics has come a long way from building bespoke ships designed to kill anything that moves and ruling with the flow when they fell out of favor but were picked up by civilians as ideal personal transports, mobile homes, mining spacecraft, and firefighting craft, thanks to the generous amounts of space previously held for bomb bays. 
Nowadays, they supply the Idris M Corvette, which fights alongside the best in the UEE military and the Idris P to the civilian market. And next up in CIG News, we have a law piece called Dateline Sessin Part 1. Just for those of you who aren't American, Dateline is pretty much the same show that the UK called Panorama. So it's good to see that it's still going strong 9 billion years in the future. In the latest foray into the lore of Star Citizen, this is a very fantastic read that very much captures the feel of what it would feel like to be a small one-man band taking a risk out in the deep black with nothing but a low footprint and your keen wits to keep you hidden from the enemy. Tony, you read this piece as well. I mean, what are your thoughts on it? It just blew me away. It was really good. I like it for about three reasons. Number one, on our post, when we first put the website together, Lennon said we needed some written content. So I put a few hundred words together about game mechanics I wanted to see. One of them was insurance fraud. I would love to have that be one of the sort of NPC jobs that you could get as a lone pilot. Go out there and investigate a wreck or an accident site or something to determine whether or not it was a legitimate insurance claim. I thought that was a really fun mechanic Mm. that could be used to great effect. And sure enough, they write some in-universe fiction about it. Also, it sort of showcases some of the game mechanics in the fiction, like the stealth, as Lennon pointed out, like the ways that the stealth is going to interact with the physical environment, the asteroids versus your emission spectrum and what you can hide behind. I also like the job creation that could be supported by the game mechanics, kind of going back to what I was saying earlier. But if there could be an entire ecosystem surrounding investigations and insurance fraud and reclaiming salvage and having all those pieces interact with the environment and the NPCs themselves. And kind of what I mean by that is when you have a skate pod eject and you have to be recovered, somebody's got to go find that thing. And for gameplay purposes, you, the player, when you eject, have to immediately get transported back to your hangar for fun. You know, you don't want to be stuck out there floating in space. But if the insurance company were to charter somebody to go collect those escape pods, or if the insurance company would go charter someone to go salvage and investigate that wreck, these would be jobs that could easily appear on the jobs board and provide another level of immersion to the game using these mechanics. I like this particular piece. First of all, it was well written, and I like good story. And I also thought it was interesting because it gave us a chance to look at maybe, well, we've always think of the classical roles that we all want to play in a game, military or pirate. But playing a journalist? Has anybody thought about playing a journalist and what that mm. would entail? So it gave me some ideas about yeah. if doing something like that, or, uh, something that's not your traditional role. And I'm hoping that Star Citizen will continue to foster that kind of... Right, exactly. I mean, what kinds of jobs could the engine create for someone who wanted to be a journalist? Go find this guy. Go locate this NPC. Go identify this wreckage. Go interview this, you know, mini-boss, you know? I mean, those are the kinds of things that you can see them exploring with this fiction and tying together a lot of different pieces of the universe and then these NPC jobs that are either claimed by players when they log in or could be just run by the little NPC agents you know, running in the economy. I think if you have that, if you design that system now, early, I think the gameplay will be a lot better for it because I can log in and I can have a choice between do I want to play bodyguard to the journalist? Do I want to be the journalist? Do I want to be the salvage ship that goes and actually picks up the physical escape pod? Or do I want to be the scanner guy that goes in and sniffs out the wreck to see what kind of missiles were fired? 
that sort of stuff, I think, it could lend to three and four and five and six and a dozen different missions filled by either NPC agents or players when they log in. Well, that's our next community question. What other jobs do you want to see supported by game mechanics? Space policeman, space telemarketer, space drive-thru operator. Is there anything you always wanted to be when the human race grew up? Let us know below our show notes on GuardFrequency.com or on our show post in the RSI fan forums. You've got me so excited for this. I really hope this mechanic is actually in there now because if it doesn't, I'm going to be really disappointed. And we uh, don't have a wingman singer and we don't have a 10 for the chairman, but we do have the next great starship. We have introduced to a variety of teams who have designed weapons as a stepping stone to putting their talents on display to build a new ship the winning team will get to put their ship in the game. And I'm pretty sure that all the runners-up are going to be optioned probably as well to get their ships in the game eventually. But clearly the winner of this competition is going to get theirs in first. Tony, we discussed this earlier, mm-hmm. and we both like the same thing. So it's, it was interesting. Because okay. uh, Jeff and I already talked about this, but Lena, we mm-hmm. didn't. you weren't in on the conversation. So let's ask you what okay. were your top two favorite guns. <laughs> Oh, now this is tough. Definitely the one from Skyguard Fabrications will be in there somewhere. That's the five-barreled one. Just looks yes. really big and beefy and meaty. And yes, my uh-huh. God, that's a really well-designed one. I strangely like the one from Cryo as well. That looks with the particle accelerator in the back. The one that okay. looks kind of like the Large Hadron Collider, but on a small right. scale. Okay, well, so I, the one that is unanimous pick from the Guard Frequency team would be the particle accelerator one. Mm. Because Jeff and I both went for the particle accelerator and the one from Talancorp, the one that yeah. had the shell, the, the shell oh, that opened yeah, up with yeah, the twin yeah. miniguns on it. The five-barreled flower gun and the guy that actually used Wikipedia to find out what a Sakura was and find out it was a five-pedaled mm. flower. I mean, that guy did his research and the gun looks big and mean. But I think that that particle accelerator one looked like an alien gun. And it just, yes. yeah, it looked just weirdly mean. It's like, what is that with all the pokey, spiky things and the swirling and, oh, my God, don't I, point that thing at me. I think the term is greebles. Yes, there are greebles. Lots of greebles. Uh, yeah, I didn't know what that word meant either. Um, <laughs> but now I, I know it. I know that all those bits on the Star Destroyer and Star Wars in the middle. Greebles. Yeah, those are all greebles. That surely that means the Borg cube is one gigantic pile of greebles. That is a pile of greeble right there. I wish I'd known a graphic artist because I had a great idea for it too. You remember the drive from Event Horizon? Oh gosh, the black hole drive. Yeah, so you mini that down into a good size driver Mm -hmm. or the alien part of the weapon and then you put along. Yeah, it would have been a fantastic looking with the rings spinning and the, you know... It would have been a great gun. Mm. But sadly, I don't have any artistic talent. Yeah. And to be fair, that one from Talancorp, I, I would definitely say that would be my third, without a doubt. Especially because he's a single guy, just one guy designed and manufactured that whole thing. Well, um, and there and were three it, versions of it, too. There were Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. And so even though he didn't actually manage to get it in-game and in the engine, I still think, you know, it was a fantastic job. Way better than anything I could have ever even hoped to produce. Well, and I think that's the genius of them doing it like this. The number of people willing to do this sort of stuff for free on the mere hopes that they get recognition for it, because... These guys, I don't think these guys, the $30,000 will help. I mean, obviously, obviously mm-hmm. they're chasing the prize. But the thing is they know the chances of them getting it are small. So they're really doing this because they just think it's fun. 
and it's exciting yeah. and it's interesting to be a part of a huge project like this, even a small part. But it just kind of just shows the innovative angle that CIG is taking with this because they really are crowdfunding the game, crowdsourcing content development. And it really makes me excited for the mod support and hopefully one day the in-game mission scripting. Because the two things that are really hard about an MMO are art and story content. And they're showing me that they have the art creation part down pat. Just let all your users make it for you and provide a pathway for them to get that stuff into the game. Because you know that they're taking this and they're making a path for people to start making stuff and selling it in the game. This is the pilot project for that pipeline. And I got to think, I got to think they're going to do the same thing for story content at some point too. Something on a enhanced foundry kind of thing like STO yes. does. Yeah, I, yes. I do too. I, I'm, I'm hoping that's the case. Well, and again, this is the genius of the crowdfunding method is because the idea of this thing is they need it to be self-sustaining over the long term because they're making a free-to-play server. The money they get up front is all they can really count on, right? Because either they release what they have and it's a total flop and nobody gives you another dime or you release what you have and it's totally awesome and people are going to say, I've already paid for this. I don't want to pay anymore. So this is what they have and they need to design something and they need to design an ecosystem from the beginning that's going to have a lot of participation and a lot of free content generation or content generation that's not compensated traditionally, which means crowdfunded and crowd created. So the chat channel system, XMPP, open platform, lots of people can design for it, it's in. The next great Starship competition, this is their test run of the pipeline for how to get people from point A to point B to point C to get it into the cry engine and get it so you can sell it in their game. I got to think they're going to do the same thing for story content. I have to think that. And they're going to have private servers. I've already said that their desire is to eventually release the ability for you to have your own private server. All those things, the chat client, the modding and a story editor of some kind are necessary components to somebody running a really good private server. Like I said, this is it was only the first episode. They have some bugs I think they need to work out. The first bug, they need to have Chris Roberts vote last. I don't know if yes. you saw this. But yeah, like I did. The two did. guys on the one couch said, I think this and I think this. And Chris Roberts says, I think that. And then, oh, yeah, definitely. But oh, yeah. Chris Roberts, yeah. We, th- we think that, yeah. We agree with that guy. That guy there, he, yeah, he sends mm. her paychecks. Yeah, we agree with that. Have him be the type yeah. They all seem like independent fellows. And Chris Roberts seems like the kind of guy that not only solicits arguments with his mm-hmm. employees, but probably enjoys them. So I'm, I don't, I'm not real worried about pressure. It's just about the presentation. Yeah. And one other thing that I was thinking as I was watching this, it's cool to hear from the other artists like, oh, this wasn't my favorite. And, you know, oh, I didn't really like the gun. I felt really bad for that one team where Chris Roberts was like, I hate this gun. It is the worst gun I've ever seen in my life because it's like Simon Cowell on American Idol. It's just, <laughs> he's the only one whose opinion matters out of the whole panel. Yeah. And if he doesn't like your idea, you just, you just might as well just, you know, go home. It's pointless you even being there. Well, why was it well, there? Yeah, really. I mean, obviously, everybody else thought it was great, but uh, yeah. Mm. yeah. But having said that, the host then sort of did slap down the, one of the judging panel because she said, "Before we come to the artists, let's talk to you." And he's like, "Well, I, I am an artist." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny, and that was pretty good. So, uh, yeah. yeah. But like you said, a few bugs to work out. Hopefully, version two will be a lot better. Definitely looking forward to watching the rest of the series. And I think this, like you were saying, paves a really good way for getting the content into the game. But I think unlike other games where that have done similar sort of things to get content into the game. The biggest example that I can really think of is when Star Trek Online did design the next Enterprise competition. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, 
that was literally the pen and paper sketches and this one though is actual teams of computer savvy tech literate people who are designing components so if nothing else it means even if no other design gets into the game you've got this whole slew of people who are now set up to mod the ever but jesus out of the server when it comes out when it gets right. released and that just oh, so such hope for the future yeah there are 200 entries is what they said they, they mm-hmm. got they're down to 24 contestants from 200 entries and they said 40 or 60 of them made the technical cut mm-hmm. uh, the other the other ones probably had some technical problems with them or didn't didn't fulfill the assignment for lack of a better word it didn't fulfill the assignment correctly but you know 60 qualifying entries and they just they whittled it down to, to 24 yeah i mean you know, and much like american idol you know that the second third fourth fifth and sixth places are going to release their own record or in this case their own weapon yeah oh these people will be back for sure yeah, yeah. They'll, be back, they'll be back for sure and with the next great Starship competition over for another week, we thought that we should pass the time by welcoming back our good, friendly segment, Where the F*** is the Dogfighting Module? This is the segment where we like to tell you what we've been getting up to to pass the time in between waiting for updates from RSI with regards not just to the Dogfighting Module. I think, you know, we can go one stage further now and include these weapon designs in them as well. So, yeah, Tony, what have you been up to this week? Oh, I haven't had a lot of playtime, really. I've been covering a lot of Star Trek Online fourth anniversary stuff for our sister production priority one podcast pretty good show you should check it out um, i've never heard of it no nah, it's just a little a little thing we do just mm. working like a dog what do you do lennon well i have been keeping an eye on a game that appeared on steam called strike vector assault it's billed as brutal aerial fps and i don't Ooh. know if it's a trend that i've noticed just because i'm doing a lot more star citizen research now but there seems to be a lot of these spacey sim type aerial games coming out you know if you try and think back over the last few years there's really been nothing that warrants having a joystick and now there just seems to be a lot of games that are coming out which would really utilize that quite well so yeah this is just what i've been keeping my eye on it looks kind of fun i haven't actually taken the plunge so if anybody out there has bought it and you recommend it or alternatively hate it you know by all means let us know it'd be good to get some feedback but i did have a question for jeff though which was we spoke before you said you're more of a simulation guy than an arcadey guy what sort of games would you recommend for like a real Really good fighter style simulator. Oh, Eurofighter, probably Falcon 4.0. These are in-depth games. There are a lot of technical aspects to them. Almost everything in the cockpit is clickable or settable of some kind. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's real immersion for a simulation. Those are the ones that really I get into. I want to go back to the crowdfunding update for just a second. You know, we're all waiting for the dogfighting module because we're just on pins and needles. You mm-hmm. know, we've, we've all got alpha access and we've all been running around our hangers. One of every six people who registered on the website last week bought alpha access. I want you to think about what those other five people are going to be thinking when the dogfighting module drops and they don't have alpha access. They're going to watch loads of YouTube videos of everybody who has alpha access and think, oh, I should have just pledged a bit more. Yeah. I mean, the difference between an Aurora and an Aurora with alpha access is 15 bucks. Mm-hmm. And those last 10,000 alpha slots are going to go fast when the dogfighting module hits. Makes me think that I should get our Twitch going. Ooh. <laughs> get a live stream up to date. Very, very good idea. Well, and finally, before we get into Nuggets for Nuggets, the day we record this episode, February 1st, 2014, is the 11th anniversary of the Columbia shuttle disaster. Space is not a friendly or forgiving place, and we just want to take a moment to remember those who gave their lives exploring the skies. Well, 
with the latest updates from CIG covered, let's get back to the basics with Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets. Hello, citizens and civilians, and welcome to Nuggets for Nuggets. This is our section of the show where we like to delve into the mechanics of Star Citizen and give you all the details from the inside out. So, just a bit of warning, the game is still in active development, so all the information we give is very subject to change. Last week, we ran a poll to see what starship you wanted us to talk about, and the winner, taking a whopping 50% of the vote, is... The Constellation! Tony, this is your favorite ride, so oh, take yes. it away. Well, when you think handsome bounty hunter making his own way in a galaxy of enemies. You think you Boba think, Fett. No, you don't. You think Constellation. Constellation, a multi-person freighter, the most popular ship in the RSI's current production array. Constellations are beloved by smugglers and merchants alike because they are modular, high-powered, and just snazzy looking. The Constellation mounts two manned turrets a large cargo area, and a small flight deck capable of launching a snub fighter in its own defense. At an impressive 55.4 meters long and 13.4 meters high, weighing in at a hefty 75,000 kilos, she's big, but she's beautiful. And unlike many other ships, she doesn't just have it where it counts, she has it wherever you put it. If you know what I mean. No, seriously, she can be outfitted for any purpose and is in fact the only ship designated by the UEE as a multifunction vessel. So whether you're into exploring, shooting the crap out of everything in the sky, or tearing through space like the Duracell bunny who's plugged himself into the mains outlet, you can model the constellation into any role you wish, whether that's Bounty Hunter one week, Pirate the next, whatever, the choice is yours. And you may ask yourself, how can one ship provide so much functionality? Well, the secret is on the inside, capable of being home to four crew, a cargo capacity of 35 metric tons, and 20 upgrade slots. There's not a lot she's going to be incapable of. Coming with a Y-Tech HFR2 plus power plant, four times TR6 primary thrusters, and a hammer propulsion HE 5.5 TR5 engine, six times TR3 maneuvering thrusters, upgradable to a max of eight, and a bearing 6S7A shield with a max shield rating of 6, that's Carmel in the metric system, she's certainly capable of taking a few hits and punching out a few of her own. And let's not forget her teeth. Capable of equipping four Class II weapons, six Class III, and two Class Vs, or to put it in English, two articulated guns, six pylon-mounted weapons like missiles, radar pods, or additional ammo canisters, and two manned point defense turrets, However, if she finds that her bite isn't as bad as her bark, then she can put full pedal to the metal and make use of the RSI jump engine to put plenty of distance between her and uh, anything. Well, having listened to all of that, I, I am man enough to admit she is double the freelancer on pretty much every spec. Weapons, engines, crew, cargo space, you name it. So, Tony, in five words or less, apart from what we've just said, why should I buy a Constellation? You don't really need to because you can just fly behind. You don't really need to. That was five. Perfect. Well done. Yeah, and I think that's part of the fun of this ship is that you're not going to get the most out of it unless you have a crew. So many multiplayer games have that dilemma. You know, how can I get people to play on teams or socially or to try to recruit people to play with them? Well, it's real easy. Just make their ship not work as well unless you have friends. I can honestly say if you are new to RSI and you're kind of waffling on what kind of ship you want to get, this is by far the best deal that you're going to get out of 
any package from RSI. This really is the all-around best option for anybody. If you're thinking about starting a squad, this is a, definitely a squad ship. Value for the money, I think you're right. And it's a good chunk of change. The pledge ship is $275, so it's not for the faint of heart. But starting off with this ship, again, I think we covered this a couple weeks ago, the idea is that this ship will be attainable in-game. I believe the number that got tossed around was if you play efficiently for 60 hours in-game, you should have earned enough to get the hull. But it comes with everything you need to be a team with an edge in the verse. The upgrade slots, the extra snub fighter, the two manned turrets. This will be fun to play with your friends. And I think that's the concept of Star Citizen is that you enter the universe with a single fighter ship. You get some friends. You get some some teammates. And then you all join together in this larger vessel to really do some damage in the world. Well, yeah, I mean, that's certainly given me quite a bit to think about. I was looking at getting another ship as well, so now I've got to buy enough for that asteroid hangar, and I've got to raise enough for the Constellation. (laughs) So um, it's a good job we get paid a grand sum of zero to do this. So uh, let's keep this show rolling, get as many as we can under our belt, and let's hear what you guys have to say and get into the feedback loop. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendly! So let's just be friendly! And it's time now for our feedback. From our show post at guardfrequency.com, Shipper Bean writes in, What if Trolley McTroll Pants bought lifetime ship insurance? Can they just slam their ship into another over and over? Uh, well, probably, yeah, but that's when they're going to have to have uh, an insurance investigator or some database mechanic that knows that no shots were fired. Yeah, plus you wouldn't want to lose all your upgrade modules and everything like that. So if you're taking nothing but well, the raw hull then that's fine. but Yeah, and that's what it is. I mean, it'll be somebody who's interested in the metagame of ruining other people's day. Just take the raw hole, load up whatever baseline thrusters and weapons come with it, and then just go ram people just because they want to make life suck. You know, and that's and we're going to have those people in this game. It's a big popular game, and a lot of people are interested in it. And there's a lot of old people like us who are in the game specifically because we can trade that money for time equation that every MMO wants to take advantage of. And so... There are going to be people in there who want to waste our time by crashing into us. And it's up to the dev team to catch those people and to make them pay for what they do. There's got to be a way to make griefing no fun. And they've got to do it up front. Yeah, because I think that's the other thing to bear in mind is that this isn't lifetime ship insurance across all ships. It's only across the ones that you've actually purchased at the time of LTI. And that's the other thing, too. I think they've closed the LTI shop, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you don't get it. Yeah. So the griefer would have had to have been one of those people that were enthusiastic about Chris Roberts, really excited about the concept of Star Citizen, and rich enough to afford this stuff. That doesn't translate to the typical griefer profile as far as I know. I think it unlikely that even if someone bought a lifetime insurance ship on the secondary gray market, I don't think that the kind of person that would go for that sort of thing would fit the psychological profile of a griefer. But you never know. We'll have to see. And we also hear from Red Star SWE. Nice to hear a little something about the stealthier side of life. Now, of course, the question about counter-surveillance and electronic warfare arises. Also, since it was my career in EVE, which ship will be my Noctis? Which current ship is best suited for a career in salvaging, in your opinion? The Freelancer? I think I'll outgrow my Aurora quite fast, despite LTI and whatnot. Thanks for a great show. Keep up the good work. Also concerning the Freelancer, would I be in a terrible disadvantage by flying it alone? 
Okay, lots of good questions in there, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have to pass it over to you and Jeff because what's a Noctis? I'd say that that was probably the freelancer. It is this, you know, roughly similar size, roughly similar outfitting capabilities. As we discussed in Nuggets, though, the constellation would be sort of like trying to fly two Noctises at the same time. You've got all that extra room that you could use to pull in all the different savage, and it's so configurable that you can make it fit anything you like. Would you be at a disadvantage? if you flew a freelancer alone. I don't think you will. I mean, I was looking in a bit more detail trying to see if I could find anything substantial. But the only thing that I could really discover was that in the event that you don't have enough people to man your ship, you will have an AI counterpart who will play the second pilot. Obviously, there may be a hiring component to that, though. You may have to like pay in-game credits for it or something. You know, Pay your, hire, yeah, pay, yeah. Pay your employee. You know? Like a hireling system like in Guild Wars, yeah. where you just get a few AI for that. So obviously the advantage to having a human with you is that they will be able to do things and anticipate things that the AI can't. On the other hand, having an AI with you means you won't feel so bad when you shoot them in the face if they mess up. So, you know, <laughs> it's swings and roundabouts there, definitely. Yeah. Well, it's, I'd, I'd like the X-Wing Alliance system where the auto turret, you have a, a droid and he sits in the turret and shoots down enemies for you. There will be a mechanic like that. Uh, whether or not he's terribly effective, I guess we'll determine whether or not you shoot him in the face. Yes, absolutely. We also hear from Grimcrack who says, another great episode. Love the title. Where the f*** is the dogfighting module? It's right to the point. No need to change it unless you want to make it all posh. Like, we are quite anticipating the RSI dogfighting module and so we'd quite like to know the stage of development it is in. He also wants to know, do we have any plans to document our test flights when everything comes out? So will we be producing videos, spreadsheets, and so forth? Tony, you're a video expert. Uh, well, uh, expert? Oh, good. I guess I got promoted somehow. Uh, yes. no, I first came to Priority One as a video guy. Uh, I made lots of in-game videos for Star Trek Online using their tool. I've been watching all of the amazing fan-made videos that have been proliferating on YouTube, and I want to go there, and I hope that we are. I, I'm capable of it. Let's just put it that way. But I have not dug into any way to make uh, in-game videos in the hangar yet. I want to, but Jeff said we're going to get a Twitch TV system going, so we'll at least have those kind of in-game videos. But I would really like to get into the more cinematic stuff as well as the game progresses and. I can take pictures of ships flying around and stuff because it's really cool. Yeah, and regarding spreadsheets, Chivalry Bean is actually the guy you want to get in touch with there. There is nothing that Mm. guy likes more than staring at an Excel document and writing formulas. He's a little bit weird. But he is in our organization. He's he's well up on all that sort of thing. So no doubt we will get him to publish something soon. So he's the official spreadsheet guy? He probably doesn't know it yet. He might be surprised when he hears this episode. And so, via the Robert Space Industries forums, Kylon Free writes, Excellent. Another dose for my addiction. It's wonderful that such a good podcast has this frequency. P.S. And thanks for mentioning my nick in GF number 5. That was a big surprise. I got stuck in the traffic jam and started to laugh uh, loudly. Everybody there must think I'm crazy. It was nice that you appreciate our good intentions. That's right. We want everyone to think you're insane. Publicly, loudly, yes, that's exactly what we wanted to do. You should probably be wearing headphones and walking around your office and then collapse into laughter because that would be the best way to uh, <laughs> communicate fired. to everybody. Yeah, well, that too. But yeah, communicate to everybody that you are in your own little world and find things hilarious that no one else would understand. That's our advice to you. And it's free advice and worth every penny you paid for it. Mm. 
We also hear from Ranger XML. Just because there is a official Street Fighter fighting stick doesn't mean you aren't going to get your hind handed to you by someone using a pad. Sure, a fight stick has a huge advantage, but some people just grew up on a fight pad. It will all come down to what you're comfortable using. I'll have a stick on my desk, but I can see myself falling back on a keyboard and mouse. Now I have to go stand in line for that Star Citizen DMV. That's right, go get your license, because uh, you're going to be licensed to have to fly some places. The, the game's going to be input agnostic. I mean, like Jeff was pointing out the other day, each of those keys and buttons and switches on your HOTUS are going to have to map to a keyboard input somehow. Mm. You'll be able to access all the same functions, and some people are going to be more comfortable on a keyboard and mouse. Some people are going to want to have a throttle, and some people are going to want to have a, a gamepad. They're all going to have to map. Uh, it's just going to be what you're more comfortable with. And via Twitter, we hear from Redstar underscore SWE. Again, we hereby award you this week's Chivalry Bean Award. Is that a thing, though? I just made it a thing. The, if you contact us on multiple channels, you get a Chivalry Bean Award. That's fantastic. At Guard Freak, I wonder how much the HOTUS will cost. 300 400 you think? It's hard to say. A good Cytec stick costs around 100 and a half. All It depends on how much they want to throw onto there. If they want to throw the 7-inch touchscreen tablet, well, that's going to knock the price northward. If they want to use the special Hall effect sensors, well, that's going to knock the price northward. But if they want to make something simple, then it'll knock it down. I, and honestly, here's the thing about MMOs and about crowdfunding and about volunteering your money. You have to be able to have multiple price points. You can't have one. You can't say, if you want this thing, it's going to cost you X, and that's your only option. No, 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 no. I really think that what they're going to be doing is they're going to say, show us your product line, Mr. Joystick Manufacturer. We want you to manufacture this Cadillac one up here, and we want you to take the rest of your product line and slap a Star Citizen label on it with our say-so. So there'll be multiple price points for different levels of intensity in gameplay. You want to have your HOTUS system with a touchpad, that's going to cost you 800 bucks. If you want to have just a stick and a throttle, that'll cost you 200 If you want to have just a stick, that'll cost you 75 Were I in charge, that's how I'd do it. And I bow to Tony's wisdom here because I agree 100%. There should be more of that bowing to my wisdom going on in the rest of the world. We're not worthy! <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Well, was it good for you too? Do we need to add a little more nutmeg? Let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. You can leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com, and now you can subscribe to us, feeds.guardfrequency.com, or just search for us on iTunes. And you can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak, or leave a comment and like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk, S-Q-U-A-W-K, at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute and tell us what's on your mind. And a special thanks to our new Twitter followers, at Greenoman, at Informative, and at Bren underscore M-P-L-S. Three. Only, Only yeah. three. Only three. God, you guys need to do a better job of hassling your friends. They will thank you later, believe me. Tell everybody that we're here and we're here every week and that we're hilarious. Yeah, give them a virtual slap. 
Come on. A virtual slap, yeah, or a real one if you can get close enough to them. I mean, it's a bald-faced lie that were hilarious, but, you know, they won't know that till after they subscribed and listen. And by then, it's far too late. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we should crowdfund Twitter followers somehow, like set up stretch goals. If we get 200 followers, then we'll do this show in our social. Puns. You mean yeah. we, could, we could actually get paid? No. no. <laughs> oh, no. Darn. <laughs> We would have to pay them. That's it's bribery. Oh, 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 here. more money out of my yeah, pocket it, for doing this. Okay, right. Lenin, Lenin is suggesting we bribe people to listen to our show <laughs> that we do for free. This is why, as we said in our opening, we need a social media expert to come right, and join us. At God right, because that person would tell you, Lenin, that's a terrible idea. Exactly. Oh, wait. I just told you that. You're going to school. It's not for economics, is it? Uh, no, no. Or finance? From, no. Or, or business? No, it's not even for mathematics. So you know, <laughs> I wouldn't even worry there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to school so I can learn not to eat the glow stick. (laughs) (laughs) And that brings us to the end of episode 8 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 9 on the 11th day of the second month. Anno Domini Mille Mille Decem Quator. Nice. (laughs) Nicely done. Please send us your feedback about the show. Hit our website, guardfrequency.com. Our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash guardfreak. Our Twitter, at guardfreak. Our email, squawk, S-Q-U-A-W-K, at guardfrequency.com. Or hit the contact form at the top of our website or our show's forum thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. All the details for all of our contact will be in the show notes. Do you like what we do here? Do you want to come and join us? If so, then send a note to skook at guardfrequency.com. Just a quick reminder, we are looking for a graphics artist and a social media expert. So if you've got what it takes and you think you can not only make us look good, but tell everybody that we look good, then get in touch. That email address again at skook at guardfrequency.com. And if you're looking for a friendly wingman or two, check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guard freak we want to thank the entire team over at guard frequency and priority one productions special thanks to ronald jenkies for his permission to use his music in our show visit ronaldjenkies.com for more of his work and we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in if there's no one listening out there the deep black gets pretty lonely reduce thrust But we're not going to beg yet. So let's get... Yet. I said yet. Yes, so did I. Oh, okay. I was emphasizing. I'll say it too. Yet. Thank you. Anno Domini Mille Mille. Oh, I can't remember the word for that. <laughs> I also accept postage paid mail at my address, uh, P.O. Box, uh, Mays, Kansas, 67101. Uh, all the details for all of our contact, except for my P.O. Box, will be in the show notes. And if you like, uh, look, uh, <laughs> and if you like yeah. and look and love and learn <laughs> and other words that start with L. The love boat. <laughs> we should have called, called ourselves that. <laughs> the love boat. Yeah. Yes. Greetings, and, if you're... and you're listening to the love boat. Sorry. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to go look that up right now. I wonder if that's, a, if that's not an organization, podcast. I'm going to register it right now. <laughs> I'm doing it. Hold on. Hold on a second. Uh, or is it, yeah, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Find. Love boat. <laughs> Search. It's not there. No one has Duh. it. 
Should we finish recording the show first and then I'll yeah. do that? I yeah. think that's what we should do. Okay. <laughs> You're the one who went <laughs> off, man. <laughs> Sorry. So here's to you, Mr. Podcast and Internet Video Collator Guy. Mr. Podcast you just and saved Internet me. Video Collator Guy. <laughs> you just saved me hours of time figuring all that out. Hours as of far time. As <laughs> okay, let's start this over. No, it's fine. Okay, let's start this over. No, 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 we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Well, have you read, seen, or heard anything, something? <laughs> have you read, seen, heard, something, things about stuff that are helpful? Tony, have you read, seen, or heard the way we end this segment every yes. week? Yes. As a matter of fact, I do it every week, and I am the one that wrote the copy, <laughs> so I should be able to just sort of – that was a really terrible Gollum impression. I'd thank you never to do it that was. again. Thank you. You've got to do it like this. I would, it's but I... Balances. Oh, God. <clears throat> My voice disappeared then. That wasn't good. <laughs> also, also known as the pirate hanger, the asteroid hanger is... God, I should have read this. <laughs> In this episode of Cajun, our host, Aaron Shearer, interviews Garrett Walden on the latest outbreak of lynch fevers. Ah. Uh, <laughs> Lynch fevers. <laughs> There's three fevers. Yeah. Hot, hotter and wow. <laughs>